I'm going to anyway. I'm going to give you just a straight warning up front. If you're a visitor with us at Connection, although I'm the smallest guy on both sides of my family, I'm a pretty big teddy bear, and I'm pretty emotional, so I just apologize. No, I don't apologize. God gave us emotions. But I'm going to show you through a series of scriptures today that that video is on the money. I got excited whenever I watched that video in my house. And I have a little room that we call the dead animal room. It's where my ducks and geese that no longer among the living, they stay forever. And they're deer and there's bears. And I go to my room of death and um, I study about life (laughs) in Scripture. And this week I was watching that video and I can't tell you how many videos I watched. 15 or 20 to try to get the right one. And I have not seen the full movie of War Room. That's off War Room. Um, I haven't seen all yet. I, I am working on that. But I have seen this part, and I, I want to put her prayer life to you this way. She flat gets with it. And some of us don't. This service today is going to be unusual, even by connection standards. And we're not going to have banana splits going down the aisle today, but it's going to be almost there. But what I'm going to do today is, I'm going to, I'm going to first of all, I'm going, to, I'm going to welcome the people that are listening on the internet. They're, they're listening to our archived messages online, wherever they are. And I just want to tell you, hello, welcome. They can't see us yet, not yet. Welcome to you. I want, I want to explain why you're here. You ready? Because God decided that you were going to be here today, and this is the message that He gave me for you to hear. Because you know why? God can't mess up. I want to invite the, the people that uh, next month, by the way, if you want to see how time flies, next month Connection Church turns nine. That was quick, right? Look around. <laughs> Look what he's done. Look what God has done. We have two services now. We have one at 11 o'clock and one at nine. I, I wish again this morning, I wish you could have been microphoned. I wish you could have been mic'd. Unbelievable. The, the sound of your voice and the praise. And it's a concert. Of prayer. That's what our worship is. That's what, our, that's what our, our prayer life is to be. So if you're a regular connectionite, that's what we call ourselves, welcome. If you have never stepped foot in this building this morning, welcome. The cool thing is you're part of family now because you've been here one time. You're, in, you're involved with a group of people that, that, that see this vision. Number one, God is who He says He is and this Bible says that He is. Exclamation point. He doesn't change. He's been the same forever. He's never going to change. He's completely eternal. And our eternal living with Him depends on us having a relationship and pleading the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, who He sent here to die for me and you. And along that line, we realize that although we are a family, we are a broken family. We are a messed up family. I know some of you are messed up. I'm not that messed up. You're messed up. You're broken. You're sinful. And we're going to look today at Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, you can begin to turn there. I'm going to to talk a little bit about this. But we have all gathered together this morning for the same reason. I don't care if you've never heard the name Jesus Christ. You have no explanation of who God is or who created everything or wherever you come from. I don't care. Congratulations. This sermon, not because I speak it, because it comes out of here, can change your eternal life today. 
It can change everything about you. I had the very good fortune. Some of you are friends with me on Facebook. Very good blessing yesterday. I went rucking. And some of you are like, what's that? You put on a backpack and you put weights in it and you walk around. That's it. And they're like, oh, I can do that. Okay. So yesterday I got to gr- I get together with a group of nine other guys with me. We met up with a couple at, the, uh, at City Hall and we prayed. But we started at Central Christian. You ready for this? Let me show you what we did with Mount Vernon. And we couldn't come out to Connection. We're going to do that soon. Okay. Actually, it was done this morning before some of you got here. How about now? We've already asked God to come in here. He's here. He's, he's, he's going he's to teach us some stuff. We left Central Christian yesterday. The parking lot, we prayed for Central Christian Church. We walked the family video. You're driving in your car like, well, that doesn't take that long. When's the last time you walked it? It's a ways. We went to family video, then we went south to Logan Street. We prayed for the park. We prayed for different people along the way. We went over towards Logan Street, and we got to 19th Street. And my buddy, who used to be a cop, and he said, you know what? This is an area of our town that we need to absolutely cover in prayer. And he turned south. You should have seen those men walking down the middle of the street. Almost hand in hand. Walking down the middle of the street. Begging God to send a revival to this town. And we get to 19th and Conger. Greater is in me. (laughs) Greater is he that's in me than anything in the world. And in almost the dead smack dab of where Satan is just dwelling. We gathered around the intersection and proclaimed God's blessing on those people. And that they would turn. Listen, that's not the only spot. Because sin is sin. That's not the only spot desperate for God in our town. Or Wayne City. Or, or, or Keens or Sims or Blueford or Woodlawn or wherever you are. We're all in desperate need of what God has for us. And I love watching that video of that lady. She just... She just begs God to give it to her. When is the last time that you and I have begged God to just give it to us? We're going to look at a story today. We're not done with our walk. We got done walking, and we go up around the square, and we we were praying with people. We we prayed for the EMTs. We prayed for the police departments. You You want to see how cool God is? This is just a random thing that God can do because He's God. We walked from Central Christian around it. We walked across the parking lot and we saw the city cop cars. And I'm like, well, my brother-in-law is a cop and I I appreciate what cops do. I want to pray for this city guy, this this city policeman. So we go over, and I'm not going to tell you his name because it doesn't matter. And 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 we circled his car and we, we held hands and we touched the other cars and we just prayed God's blessing on them. Because they protect us. They uphold the laws of our land. They're not bad. They're good. They're here to protect us. So we ask God to protect them. Not knowing what would happen a few short hours later that I would get called to the emergency room because a member of my family had been rear-ended, but the officer that responded to the 911 call was the man that we prayed for. And by the way, God is still in the business of healing and keeping safe our family members that we cover in prayer. Pain medicine, and she walked out of the hospital. Fine. Nothing broke. God knows where you are right now. 
He knows exactly what you're struggling with right now. He knows your relationships with your, with your kids. He knows the relationships with your grandkids. Maybe you don't have strong relationships with your spouse. He knows that you need to be begging Him in a closet of prayer and He knows your struggles. Maybe you're addicted. Maybe you have chains. I love that song on the, on the radio that He's a chain breaker. Yeah, He is. He's broken some in my life so I can tell you for sure that it works. God is a chain breaker. He's wanting to set you free from that stuff right now. Right now. He knows your heart. He knows this. In a group this, even a group this size, He knows this. You are struggling with stuff in your life right now. You have deep, deep, deep hurt in your life. I'm going to tell you something very carefully, very closely, and very quickly. You are not meant to carry that stuff. You're not meant to do it. We were created. Yes, we have a sinful nature. That's why we have to plead the blood of Christ and have a relationship for Him. Because He says, this math equation that we go over in connection that I still can't explain. I'm not good at math, but this, this one makes really no sense. God says... You put all of your stuff in a bowl, all your junk, all your hurt, all your sin, all your shame, all your guilt, all the stuff. You put it in a bowl and you give it to me. I'm going to give you Jesus and we'll call it even. What kind of sense does that make? It doesn't. But he loves you so much. I love that. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. You know why they came up with that? Because they can't explain it. Because he loves you. But I know that you have hurt. Connection is a church that we will seek God's heart and His vision. And we will love people in any way short of sinning that we can in this environment. Some of you are like, well, are we going to revisit why connection exists? Yes. And we're going to pray. We're going to do a lot of things. But I want to read you this. If you're in Isaiah 6, Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to read some, I want to read a couple verses of scripture to you. Isaiah chapter 6. I'll tell you what page it's on in the Daystar Connection NLT version in a second. I, I joke about that, but we, it, there's a lot of people that have the same, the same color Bible. So we're on page 556. You can get on your phone or you can look on the screen, but look on Isaiah chapter 6. I want to I just read this. And I just want you to just use your imagination today. Just use your imagination. See, the cool thing is, it's not the, it's not the neighborhood of make-believe, like in, like in uh, what's his name, Mr. Rogers. This isn't the neighborhood of make-believe. This is the neighborhood of, I'm going to give you a vision, Isaiah. Check out how big I am. Love God. <laughs> this isn't imagination. This is a, a vision that's given to Isaiah. Look at verse 1. It was the year King Uzziah died. Why is that important? It's specific. When did I have that dream? Oh yeah, it was that year that King Uzziah died. 740 years before Christ. 740 years before Christ. Now watch what he sees. That I saw the Lord. Huh? When was the last time that, you, that, you, that your husband or your wife came home at night and said, What did you do today? I saw the Lord. Physically. <laughs> through vision. That I saw the Lord. Look at this. He was sitting on a lofty throne. Lofty. Elevated. Look how the translation goes. Elevated. It's loft, it's high. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
You know, I really looked into those words this week. I used to think, well, God's Spirit just filled the temple and you know, God can do that. The train of His robe. Now how big is He? The train of His robe. Listen, this guy's sitting... However, Isaiah, he can't, he can't even give us correct words. A lot like John in Revelation. He says everything's like something. But God is sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his, of his robe fills the entire temple. We have something very close to that today. The Holy Spirit dwells in this place. You know why? Because we ask Him to. You know why we can do that? Because He said so. God says a lot of things and they're said so, period. Exclamation point, you're done. Ask and you shall get I'm not going to answer your prayer how you think all the time, Matt, but, but listen. Look at verse 2. So his robe fills the temple. Just an awe-inspiring sight. Now, we're going to hear something that's really familiar in Revelation. You ready? Look at verse 2. Attending him were the mighty seraphim. I'm glad they used the adjective mighty here because these dudes are bad. You know what this translates from? Two burning ones. They're literally somewhat... In Isaiah's eyes, on fire. That's kind of cool. Is it not cool? Hey, now, why, why, why are they on fire? I don't know. But they're mighty. Would you mess with something on fire? No. Look at this. This is absolutely incredible. There are mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Okay, well, that's cool. Uh, you know, dragonflies got two sets of two. Uh, I've never seen six. Watch this. With two wings they covered their faces, because God is so holy they could not look on Him. With two they covered their feet, because God is so holy and they're not, that He can't look on them without them disappearing. And with two they flew. Three, look, you want to talk about some worship? You want to talk about some serious worship? Check out number three. Look at verse three on the screen. They were calling out to each other. You ever heard this before? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. I can name right about five songs that come from that scripture right there. They were calling out to each other, almost an echoing a great big round. Guess what they were created to do? That. God is so holy that He needs to be worshipped, so He just creates little beings, these, these angels, to worship Him. Why? Because He's that holy. And Isaiah sees that. Isaiah sees that. Look at four. You want to talk about some serious worship getting down. Look at this. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, enter us. Put your name here for Isaiah. Then enter us. Look at verse five. Then I said, after seeing how good and how big God is, he says this. Isaiah said, it's all over. Basically, he said, I can't see this and live. God is too big. And he says, I'm, I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Why did we pray for Mount Vernon? Why did we pray for our country and our state? Why did we pray? Because we are a backslidden country that doesn't bless God anymore. We say all the time, God bless America. We should rearrange the words and say, America bless God. Do you remember what happened 15 years ago today? You can remember exactly where you were if you're of any age at all. We took, we're, we're, we're sliding backwards and we're begging God. It's, it's, it's an awful lot like this country that we're looking like in Isaiah is going through. He said, we have filthy lips, yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Look at verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew, from, flew over to him with a burning coal that he took from the altar with a pair of tongs. 
The altar is symbolizing the repentance place. The coal, they, they used to talk about refining fire. Okay, The fire will cleanse, the fire will remove. So he puts the coal, look at this. This coal was touched to my lips. A cleansing, a forgiving. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Make no mistake about this. This coal, this piece of coal had absolutely zero to do with anything of the forgiveness of sin. It was God that forgave him his sin. It wasn't the coal. Your guilt is now removed, he said. And your sins are forgiven. Look at 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? So Isaiah walks in, sees the glory of God, realizes how bad he is. He gets cleansed. He's gone through four stages already. He's getting ready to go to the fourth one. He's getting ready to commit. He's going to, look at what he says. Who shall I send to these people? Who will go for us? I love us. You know why? God's plural. <laughs> Who will go for us? And Isaiah, you and I said, here I am. Send me. One of the hardest things to ever say in this entire world in your relationship with God is, here I am. Send me. I told God that I would rather be a missionary in Africa than to be a pastor. That didn't work out too well. I said, I'll go anywhere. I just don't want to be a pastor. It didn't go with his plan. So this morning, we're going to look at these, and we're going to get right into this. Now look. Isaiah goes through four different things. He goes over a lamenting process. He's sorrowful. He understands when he says, I'm done. It's all over. I'm done. He goes through a lamenting process where he says, God, I am so sorry for what I am and who we are. And then that leads him to his repentance. When he says, I'm a sinful man, it's self-admission. I'm a sinful person. That leads into his thankfulness. God forgives him. What does he do? All of a sudden, he wants to intercede for other people. He starts praying for these people. And after he intercedes for those people, it becomes, it turns into this right here. It comes into a commitment. This morning, you're going to get to do all four. It's going to get real personal between you and God. We're not going to pray that long for a couple minutes. We're going to have a song playing. And as, I, as we go through this, after that, after that time's over, there's going to be a person come up and they're just going to corporately pray. It's going to close that and we're going to go right to the next one. I know some of you are looking at your watches. We've got half an hour. We're good. Look at verse 5. Look at, just, look, just look back. When he says this, we're going to look, we're going to look at this, uh, this lamenting process. And if you have your worship handout, you can, you can open that. And you can kind of follow along. I really want you guys to keep these. Keep, the, keep these notes. Mark in your Bible. This is unbelievable stuff. In verse 5, he says, it's all over. I'm doomed. You ever said that? <laughs> There's no way that God's going to forgive me for this. I'm doomed. I'm done. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army. Isaiah knows this. He cannot do anything to attain what he saw. He cannot do anything or ask enough forgiveness to attain the glory in which he saw God sitting in. He goes, you're too good and I'm messed up. He knows there's a separation. He's sorrowful. He's sorrowful for what he's done. Now look at your, look at your message blank in the very first one. It says, upon seeing the glory of the Lord, Isaiah was completely broken. God wants you to be in the most malleable, that means to be able to pliable, you can move it, you can spread it. He wants to do that in your life. And that most comes from you being broken. But the road to brokenness hurts. Because often it means us, these big strong guys, and we have to get down on our knees and we say, God, we do not have all the answers. My pride is in the way. I do not know everything. I need you to teach me a lesson. And God is a good father. 
But He's a just Father, and there are consequences for our sin. And sometimes that brokenness comes out of the consequences of our sin, and it does not feel good. But look, Isaiah was completely broken. He was concerned with his sin and the sins of his people. So this morning I'm going to ask you this. When is the last time that you seriously ask God, God, I want you to speak to me. I don't deserve this. I am sorry for the things that I've done. That's not repentance yet. It's just it's having an attitude of being sorrowful. Yesterday, we walked around Mount Vernon. I did that completely on purpose yesterday. We, I knew that I was going to go on that day, and I walked around because I wanted to know what this was like before we go through this together. And it was tough. I begin to say, God, we have completely backslidden as a city, as a town, as a state, as a country, and as a world. We're sliding away from you because we choose ourselves over you. And my heart was shattered when I became in contact with these people. And they showed me what brokenness was. Their life was absolutely, completely broken on the ground. And they said, we just need something. And I said, we have everything that you need. And they said, oh, what do you have? Money? Food? I said, no. I have everything that you need. Not everything that you want. I have Jesus Christ. And we begin to pray for these people. My heart was broken. My heart was broken for some of you. Because I know what you're going through. Because we've, you've shared with me. And I know that there's deep, deep hurt in some people in here. And it hurts me. God says, I want you to see who I am, how big I am. Will we lament? And that's a big word. Will we be sorrowful for our world? We have an election coming up in a couple months. I don't get into whatever you vote. I don't care. What, I, 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 what we need is an American person to become president that honors God. I don't care if they're green. They honor God. Will we be broken for our people? Are there, is there remorse for the things that we've done? Will we ask God to do another hard thing and to break us? God, we want to be broken for those people around us. Give us the attitude. Give us the, the sense of doing that. Does it break our hearts for people that don't know Jesus? This is tough. We can be so inwardly focused, guys. And we have a much higher majority of people that are basically and literally on a highway to hell than the road to salvation in heaven. So for the next two or three minutes, you're going to hear some music. You're going to have the, the lights are going to dim a little bit. And it's just you praying. If you want to pray, listen, here's the rules. There are none. You want to take your seats and you want to make a circle wherever you are with your family, you do it. You want to go over here and pray? You want to come here and pray? You want to go to the back and pray? I don't care where you want to pray. You want to pray with your husband and with your kids? I don't care. Just pray. As we listen to this song, lights are going to go dim. You guys have about two or three minutes and then somebody will uh, I'll, I'll close us in prayer and then we'll move on. So if you would, just go ahead.
try to hear from heaven But I talk the whole time I think I made you too small I never feared you at all, no If you touched my face Would I know you? Looked into my eyes Could I behold you? But the shore along your ocean Are you fire? Are you fury? Are you sacred? Are you beautiful? So what do I know? What do I know of holy? our land is God break our hearts I know that you're causing emotion today 
God, and it's not about the, the emotions only, God, but just break our hearts. We can't attain you. You're, you're, you are too holy. God, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. In Isaiah 6, verse 6. You have that on the screen. Isaiah 6, 6. The second part of this is, then, the, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal, and he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched the lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Isaiah lamented over his sin. He was sorrowful for his actions. He said in this vision, he knew, he said, God, I cannot. I am a dirty person. I have dirty lips. I have unclean hands. I can't get to you. And throughout the Old Testament, when Isaiah was here, it was all about sacrificing and from the altar and, and taking the blood and taking the life of an animal to cover that blood, covered their sin. So he uses in this vision, he sees this altar. The altar of sacrifice was a place where the sacrifice was made in the Old Testament. This points from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what you and I live under the New Covenant, and that sacrifice took place on a rugged, dirty, nasty wooden cross. That The most innocent, perfect man in the entire world was nailed to it. He bled. He died for you and me, and then God restored all hope on the third day when He looked down and said, Jesus, let's go. Your hope came alive then. It didn't come alive when you were born. Your hope came alive before you were born. Jesus does not have to do it again. You know why? He was perfect. His, he was more than enough. So this, this is a forgiveness of sin that, that Isaiah said, God, I cannot do this. And he merely utters, he merely utters, I'm a person of unclean lips, I have dirty hands, I'm a messed up person. And God sends this angel over, and he sears the lips, metaphorically, and he's forgiven. The cross points us to our knees for repentance. That's where all of your sin was paid for in more than full. On your second worship handout, look at this. If you want to fill in this blank, it says, Being sorrowful for your sins is healthy. Just feeling bad is healthy, but only when it leads to repentance. You can feel bad that you got caught. Remember those days? You're not sorry. You're sorry you got caught. Matthew, did you clean your room? Yeah? If I go check it right now, is it clean? Not so much. <laughs> you're not sorry that you didn't do what your parents asked you to do. You're sorry that you got caught. Listen, you can't get, you can't not get caught by God, by an all-seer, by an all-knower. So this morning, as we play this next song, I just want you to talk about that word repentance with God. There's stuff in your life that you need to clean house. I have a grudge on this person. You are not meant to carry that. It's paid for with the blood of Christ. Get rid of it. Ask God to forgive you of it. And some people will say, well, I just can't ever forget it. That's your human side. And that's also Satan want to be, he wants to be a bully. Let me tell you something about that guy. He's been something else this week. You know why? He goes, Matt, I don't want Matt. I don't want him being a follower of Christ. I don't want that, those people at Connection that really love God. I do not want them coming together with a full mind together and asking for repentance because that means 
They're dangerous to me. Yes, you are. It's not you. It's what you have in you. Satan will do anything to just knock our week off, to disrupt us, to derail us. I don't have time to even explain. Some of you could explain the same thing. Have you had a good week? Some of you go, heck no. Are you hurting? Some of you would say, absolutely. Are you confused about what God wants you to do? Yeah. Listen, God says, you need to be sorrowful, then you need to repent. And then it leads into something joyous. So for the next couple of minutes, I just want you to talk to God. You personally. Ask Him to forgive you of those sins. And repent. Not be sorry that you got caught. Be sorry that you're sorry. Apologize. Thank Him for that goodness. As we pray. King of Heaven's armies, we come here today in worship, Lord, for repentance. Lord, just as you gave Isaiah a small glimpse of your glory, Isaiah saw that he was broken and he was leading you, Lord, to know that we're broken, to turn from our sins, to have a change of heart. 
heart. Christ is Of that, we come to the third part. Now we've seen the lamenting, the being the sorrowful, and God, I'm sorry, I'm truly repentant. Not just sorry, repentant. And that joy, that joy that comes when you say amen, when you know that you are praying to a God that is not dead, He is completely alive, and that joy comes upon you, that the things that you've done, although there may be consequences physically, you know that they are not being held against you because they've already been paid for. I'm a little happy because you don't know me. You don't know the stacks of stuff. Guess what? All that? It's gone. Because Jesus Christ died for me. And if it was just for me or if it was just for you, He would have done the same thing. That's how big He is. That's how good He is. And this is what Isaiah sees. Look at the next, the next verse in 8. And then I heard the Lord asking. Now this is God talking. He said, okay. I see that you're sorrowful. I see that you're repentant. I've sealed your lips. I've healed you. I've forgiven you. Then God asks him, he says, who should I send as a messenger to this people? Oh, baby. When we get our our sins are forgiven, then all of a sudden it causes us to not just pray for ourselves, but to pray for other people. I spent yesterday morning a little bit. I don't say that I'm not Superman. Okay, I'm not I'm not an awesome Christian. I'm a broken human. But what we sought to do yesterday was to intercede for those that don't know they need it. We were turned down one one time yesterday to pray. And I told the people out there at 8.15, I said, the reason that he turned us down is because he doesn't know that he needs it. He doesn't know. He might know deep down, but look, who can I send? Who will go for us? I love this. Look at, your, look at your worship handout. We have another blank. Look at this. It says, as followers of Jesus, we are called to intercede. That's a huge word. All it means is pray for other people. Intercede for them. They don't know that they need it. Maybe they know, they just don't know how. So you do it. There's people all over this world that have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ. We need to pray that they hear that message. There are people in Mount Vernon, in Orchardville, in Keynes, in Sims, in Wayne City, in Woodlawn, and the big metropolis way over there, Albion, way, big metropolis over there. There are people that don't know Christ. Maybe you know some of these people. Maybe you're married to one of them. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's whoever. It should drive you to your knees. Hey, God. You can do it. I've been praying for my buddy John. John, I hope you're listening. (laughs) I've been praying for John for 15 years. One day, God is going to send somebody in his life because I'm asking him to. And one day, John's going to message me or call me and say, Dude, you were right. 
I did need a relationship with Christ. So if you don't have anybody else to pray for, you pray for John. God knows exactly who he is. Pray for these people. Look at, what, look at what Jesus saw. Look at Matthew, just on the screen real fast. Look at Matthew. In verse 36, he says this. He said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. We have an absolute lostness in the country and God needs more help. He doesn't need our help. He chooses to get our help. But He needs more people to go. Everybody says, Connection, you the the popcorn church? We've been called the popcorn church. We've been called the coffee and popcorn church. We've been called the cult. We've been called all kinds of stuff. I just ask these people when they say this, I said, have you ever been here? Have you ever been here? You don't understand that we're seeking to train up individuals to go out and reach lost people. Same team, same jersey, different number on the back. Same thing. Will you go? Will you go? Will you go to intercede for these other people? Go ahead. You pray. Play the song.
look at five of the scariest words in Scripture in the entire Bible. Look on the screen. In Isaiah 6, verse 8. Next one. Next slide. There you go. After I said... This is, this is Isaiah's response to God asking who will go. Who will intercede for these people? Who will go to these people? Who will, who will represent these people? Who will, who will... Basically, some of these people that he asked this question, the disciples would die for me. Who will go? Who will go? Who will go? And Isaiah stands up and he says five of the scariest words. We can go back to Samuel and look at the, the, the expression, Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. We can go to Abraham and see this. And Isaiah comes in and he says, Here I am. What do you want to do? No. He says, Send me. I want to go. I want to go tell them. And this is about commitment. And this is really, really tough. Look at the last blank on your worship handout this morning. Look at this. I don't want you to write this down and just go, oh yeah, we're filling the blanks, check, we got that done, now let's go eat. Listen, will you commit to praying? In the last 25 years, the church in general, not denominational, just the church in general has absolutely dropped the ball on discipling and mentoring other people and raising people up. So we seek to do that. It's an area that the church needs help on. So we do that. Would you commit? I asked people if they could show up at 8.15 to show up at 8.15. Some of you guys told me, hey, I can't be there. Hey, I'm coming to the 11 o'clock service. And I said, pray where you are. They committed to me that while we were praying, they were praying wherever they were. Will you commit to following God and His plans? If you are a member of Connection, you understand, and, and next month will be nine years old, you've seen a journey of things that God has done. He's moved us uh, that I wasn't even a part of at the airport. Then he moved us to the school. For five long years we set up in the hallway, didn't we? We set up a stage. Three years ago we were blessed with this building. It was already prepared. God had His plans. And we've been on this amazing journey. But here I got something. Are you ready? We're not done. We have so much we have a vision from God to, to impact, not to be number one, but to impact greatly for the kingdom of God, this community. And now we're drawing people from Wayne City, south of Wayne City, north of Wayne City, west of Woodlawn. They're coming out of the woodwork. Why? Because they see a group of people that are intently committed to what God wants to do. And this is what I asked God yesterday. I asked that He would absolutely rain down revival in this area. Will you join me in praying for that? I would love in history that they look back and they see this, this year 2016. And they said, yeah, this huge revival, but it broke out with people in this little southern Illinois town. I asked God that He set us on fire metaphorically <laughs> that he just set us on fire with his passion so i'm going to close this there's going to be a time just a very short time of this song i just want you to pray we're going to hear some music again but will you commit will you pray for our church i made a list will you pray for our church and its members and attenders and people that are almost connectionites or maybe want to be connectionites later 
Will you pray for the people that walk through our doors? Will you pray for openings for you and your, your spouse or your people, of God's people here, wherever you go to church, to share the gospel this week? And will you pray that God will move in great ways in our community? There's a lot of things in history, biblically too, that you can go back to and you can see great prayer warriors happening right before this big ball of God happens. They're begging Him. They're begging Him. God, we need it. We're lost. Our world is going to shambles. Will you commit to pray? And during this minute and a half or two minutes, I just want you, you and God talk. You're not committing to me. Will you commit to God? God, I'll honor it. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. That's hard. So I'm going to pray for you. And you pray for me. Let's pray.
life, that sacrificial way of living, in a commitment to you. There's no one else